0: Hey, M456, my mandate brothers, look at Malachi 4, 5, and 6, right? God's turning the hearts to the fathers and the fathers' hearts, or the fathers' hearts to the children the children's hearts back to the fathers, guys, you know this. God, I am in Emmett, Idaho, and I'm seeing it real time. I'm sitting in a studio with Jeremy Morris a real cowboy. Guys, I want to tell you, I'm sitting with a real cowboy. <laughs> uh, and quickly, I just want to say, I was, I had a buddy, Seth Barnes. You guys all, a lot of you know him. He, uh, he sent me this podcast. He said, Black, I feel like this is when I, you were sitting with me, and you went to Africa, and you sit with me, and you went to Europe. He goes, this is one of those moments for you. And I kind of fought it. And I listened to this Wild Courage podcast called On The Run. You can help me, Jeremy. Or Man on the Run, or Life something, on the run, Life I on think. the Run. And I'm like, what? And then I listen to part two and I just called you. Guys, I want you to meet Jeremy Morris. Uh, Jeremy, Thanks, welcome man. to the Thanks podcast. Thanks for having me on, brother. Oh my gosh. What a treat. Yeah, I'm, I just can't tell you how excited I am. We, we've had some encounters this week, guys. We stayed, we stayed up last night after a killer steak dinner. And you know, the lover archetype, man, he, he eats, he makes love to his steak. Right, talking about the injustices of the world and what God's doing on the planet, and that's the lover in all of us. We just enjoy life, and man, we did that last night. Together, yeah, didn't we? and we had, had fun. and talked about badass movies. That badass we movies, right? I was like, so can we fun. go there? And we're like, yes, we can go there. It was right? So
1: fun. I I was thinking about. I can you imagine what the people sitting behind us were no. thinking?
0: <laughs> like, what, what is happening? Having some
1: pints and mm. like talking Bro. about all these kick-ass movies and talking about Jesus and about. Just sharing, like more than testimony, yeah, right. More than just like life. It's something different. Ugh. But I was kind of thinking about. At one point, I looked over to look down at Brian, and I could tell the four girls that were sitting next to us were kind of listening. And I'm like, Can you imagine? What oh they're... man,
0: I love it. See, I love that, right? <laughs> I do too. Yeah. And your guys, Brian and Doc, and oh, I mean, dude, who's got ugh. it better than me? I can tell you guys, my heart's fully alive. I'm literally sitting in a studio in a barn. This guy, and I just want you to hear some of his story. So Jeremy, just give a sec. Bro, you've been through. <laughs> you've been to hell. You smell like smoke. And God has just done this redemption thing with you. And I don't meet men like you. I mean, honestly, that's God told go. My wife, her voice sounds a lot like Holy Spirit. She's yeah. like, you're going. So we just bought tickets and came out after a few weeks of meeting you. And me and Johnny McAllister, who's usually on with us guys, as you know. So Jeremy, just take us through your life, your story, your heart. When I See, I wish you guys were on video, or could see this on video. We don't have it right now, but his, his eyes show his heart, hmm. and you just kind of fall in love with that. So Thanks. how'd you get there, man? What? Talk well, to us. Well, they weren't always
1: like that. They, <laughs> they, for a long time, were sad, and, a, a, and then a longer time, were bloodshot. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right,
1: right. Um, but yeah, I grew up um, in Idaho and Montana, And California and Oregon before I was in ninth grade. So I moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, Mom and dad divorced. I'll kind of give you the 100,000-foot view of some of this, but mom and dad divorced. One thing that was a little bit different when I was about five or six, I went with my dad and my little sister went with my mom. Okay. So as I've grown to learn, when it's your life that this stuff is happening to, it's just life. Yes. Like... You don't know much different. Yeah, you you don't. It's just life, right? So as soon as they divorced, my dad and I moved to Montana. And so I'd have been in kindergarten. And I just remember being alone all the time. Like he got a job as a logger. So sometimes he wouldn't be home till six or seven at night. Okay. So to bring this into frame, I have a young son that would have been about my age when this was happening. And sometimes I weep. For my own story, because I can't imagine my son coming home from school at 3 o'clock and being home for four hours by himself at that age. Um, I just remember I had horses and dogs, and winter in Montana is a lot of snow. So I wasn't outside a lot, but, you know, taught myself how to play catch, throwing the ball up off the roof of the garage and rolling it back. And also just remember my dad... Trying himself to sleep every night. He was heartbroken, you know, the loss of my mom and my little sister. You know, moving on and away.
0: So, so because you know, my my coffee is on a, a cup holder with his picture on it of this cowboy. Mm, I mean, yeah. and there's pictures around your studio here of him. What what kind of dad was he? My dad. Um, this is something cool that
1: I've experienced. I lost my dad six years ago last week. Mm. And to a heart attack at 66, healthy. Um, I think oftentimes we don't know how to have honest conversations about our childhood with our parents because we get protective of them, Mm. and especially when they pass. Like, we think honoring, especially scripturally, means that we have to lie about them. (laughs) Right, (laughs) yeah. And we don't. Honor has nothing to do with the truth. And in my dad... Now, I can have compassion for my dad, and in the same breath, realize that in his brokenness, he did not know how to be a dad. Right. He also was very young. My mom was like 17 when she got pregnant. Mm. LDS, so she got excommunicated mm. from her family. Oh, LDS. Yeah. I, I
0: didn't realize that part of the story. And what was his parents... Um, Assembly of God. Okay. Pentecostal. But wow. a mix.
1: Yeah. So okay. my mom came to the church, a revival meeting, got saved, and moved out and they got married and all that. So um but divorce, you know, a lot of shame involved there in the church, as you know. So he was just really brokenhearted. I just remember him wailing in bed at night when I was little and, and now knowing having the language to be like I was I would be sad, but I couldn't show it because I had to keep it together for my dad's sake. Ugh. And you're how old? Six.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So I remember him coming home late at night, and we had a long driveway next to the parallel to the highway in Kyla Montana, outside of Kalispell. And I'd be waiting for every car, thinking, crying, so scared. I was alone. Right, is this him? And then when he'd come, being like, "Oh crap, I gotta get it together," and I would go, I would have built a fire. And I'll just go play with my car. So when he walks in, I'm like, "Hey, Dad! Like everything's fine." Right. And I've been crying for three hours because I knew how heartbroken he was over the loss of my of my mom and essentially my you know losing my sister. Right. Um, who was moved a long a ways from where we were living, so there wasn't no weekend like, swap yeah, out. Right. No, like we they were going to visitation. Yeah. Yeah, in Montana, and she was moved to Western Idaho. Oh wow. So it was. So anyway. That's mostly what I remember. Um, then he r- married my Sunday school teacher not too long after that. Okay. And that was cool. I really liked her. Um, cool redemption story and all of that later f- with her. They were not married very long. Okay. I think four or five months maybe. Okay. And then I came home from school one day and dad said, all of our self was packed. He's like, we're leaving. We're moving back to Idaho. And they got divorced. And I never, I, I don't. I, to this day, I don't know what
0: happened there. Okay. With them. But did you ever reconnect with her? Yeah. Okay. it's part of the story. Jumping. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Yeah. um, Because
1: it's super cool. So we move back to my hometown and I get dropped off of grandparents because dad's now divorced twice. I'm like eight. I'm seven, eight, somewhere in there. So I'm bouncing between grandparents. My mom's grandparents or mom's parents live there. And my grandparents. And are
0: you talking to your mom? Are you reconnected with your mom? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I get, you know,
1: the uh, two weeks month in the summer. Okay. And
0: then like holiday splits, stuff okay. like that. And and they just kind of came up with that agreement on their own. There wasn't yeah, a big no cord or, or yeah, right, there's cords. no, okay. none of that in okay. 1975 or six now or you're, whatever. You're old, bro. Come I know, on. I'm 50.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just kind of life of kind of getting hand with my sister a little bit in the summer and a little bit um, during holidays. Um, in that time, you know, I, I've already been to three different schools by the time I'm in first grade. Three different, and you're seven, eight? Yeah, because I had to go to kindergarten twice. Okay. And then moved from kindergarten to first graders to another school. So early on, I'm like, the importance of making friends became a big deal. Right. And um, I kind of get vague with this part of my story, Um, maybe to protect some people, but also, I don't know, it just lands right with me. But bouncing around between different family situations, um, some sexual abuse started happening. Okay. Like, um, and my desire to fit in and have friends after spending that season, year, year and a half of being alone all the time. Um, was scarier than giving this kid a
0: blowjob. Wow, if because I'm running around with older kids, okay, much older kids. So being alone and waiting for dad to come back, yeah, and then these guys basically molesting, yeah, was scarier.
1: Yeah, I'd rather because to me at the time it was like, oh, I got to do this and then we can go ride our bikes and you'll let me hang out with you. Oh my god, okay, okay and then it's like hey it's his if you want to hang out with us like now go do that thing to him right it became like the thing and also there was an older uh high school girl um that was in my i was in her care at certain times that would have sex with me and you're 8 um this happened over a few years okay so Um, Again, not thinking a big deal of it, like, oh, come in here, come into my room, lock the door. She would do that. And just kind of like... And it's weird processing through this as I started dealing with all this, as it certainly showed back up in my life, right? Like anything like this does. I really struggled with the girl... Who raped me, because that's what it is. Right. I couldn't say that for a long time. Okay. Just like PTSD, <clears throat> like that's reserved
0: for soldiers only. Right. Rape can only be- Women that men whim- do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got raped at 12 on a golf course. Hmm. And I didn't, you know, I, I could never tell anybody because I'm a boy, you know, all my boy are f- like, hey, did you do anything with her? I'm like, I didn't want to. I hadn't even masturbated yet. Yeah, me neither. Right. And then all of a sudden- I'm, coming, I'm kind of just, like, ejaculating into this girl who's a senior mm-hmm. in high school. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that that I You understand. I, understand. I didn't know that about yeah. your story. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I'm sorry. That too, was stolen man. from us. Wow. Um.
1: So, a lot of just bouncing around in that season. I think my dad trying to figure out what's next. And so, um, around that time, that goes on for a couple of years. And there's other instances of that type of abuse, um, that happened also.
0: Do you, you, what, let's, where do you place that? Is that like the enemy? Is that you, did you blame yourself? Like what start happening in the process of all that? Like, um, nothing. It, it's, it's, you fragment it.
1: Okay. Like it just, it didn't happen. Right. It's like, like a I different think life. God protects us from that <laughs> because, it it didn't show back up in my life until I was married. Like I it's like I didn't I wouldn't have been surprised if that didn't happen to everyone. How would I know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. All right. Like it didn't affect me. Right.
0: It, well, it, it, it did, but it, you didn't. Oh it of course yeah, it did. Right but at the
1: time it was like This is my life. This is this is how it's just like the we talked about earlier, the kids in Africa, like they don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And so it was just like, oh, okay, and you know, there were some babysitter incidences too. Wow, bro! I'm so so
0: sorry. I think I Ow. think that if this would have happened once, it would have been a much bigger deal. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I had one sexual abuse thing happen with a boy that didn't go very, real far, um, and I never even thought about it again till later. So I don't know. I think it's how all of us process probably, and. What hits us. And, and, and again, we can overemphasize things, right, to stay justified as we get older. So there's all kinds of stuff in that I think we could unpack. But Yeah. I, I just think that
1: if it would have happened to been a one-off experience, it probably would have stood out to me more at the time. Yeah. But it, the the regularity of it happening and with different people, right. women babysitters. Wow. And, and then the boy part of it, too, of having to give blowjobs. Right. And so, yeah. And then, yeah, that's enough about that. Not not because <laughs> okay. I'm afraid to talk about it. The
0: details of it don't matter. Right. Of the, de- the, de- the depth of it. Yeah. No, right. of course. Do you get and, the point. And again, guys, if you're listening and this kind of triggers something in you, which again, you guys know how I feel about that, I, I, uh, that word, and we can overuse that too, but I... I just just keep listening keep keep in because there's some healing coming. I, I know that because I'm sitting with this man who's been transformed by all of these things that have happened so so okay, to, so you get older, go ahead to Sorry. that point this just occurred to me
1: if if anybody's listening to this and feels triggered, maybe replace that word triggered with the thought of invitation mm. to investigate, okay. So if you're feeling triggered by this, maybe this is something that happened to you and you've never thought about it, dealt with it, the fear, believe me, we get it. Yeah. Don't look at it as shame. Look at it as maybe an invitation to investigate. Hmm. That's so good. The pain that this has caused, and it's certainly showing up in your life. I promise you that somewhere. Right, right. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that's just a nice landing good. spot. Good. Yeah. Me too. That's good. Is just,
0: uh, maybe it's just okay, an so indication
1: to investigate. Teen,
0: you hit later. So my
1: dad gets remarried. Okay. So okay. now I have a stepbrother, stepsister, Which third is time, third wife. Story Super later. fun. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you're still in Idaho. Yep. Okay. We're still in Idaho, my hometown. So I get to go to like A couple of years in the same school, but not really because then I jump into junior high. So kind of another school, but same kids. Sports, getting involved there. Stepmom started out fine. Um, Maybe year two, that started going sideways. Her son's a year younger than me. Okay. Daughter, like three or four years younger than me. Um, They're not socially active. Very introverted. I'm super outgoing. I need friends. Right. I need to be the guy. I need to have fun. Um, so I think that started maybe some bitterness in her towards me. Okay. Um, she started
0: getting very manipulative and physical. Okay. And you're cause you're kind of shining and her kids are yeah. being overlooked in a way. Yeah, like I'm I'm scene. an extrovert and yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so she would started making me call her mom. Hmm. I was like, eh. I already did that with the last one, and that didn't pan out. And you're not my mom, and and she would manipulate me to the point of like I would tell her um, when she would thump on me pretty good, like more than probably deserved. Not that I didn't deserve it, believe me. <laughs> right? Because I was acting all out, all sorts of different ways. But um, she always—I just remember she had these Lee press-on nails. Remember those? Oh yeah. And she literally would break them off and and like grabbing my arm and scratching me. And I'd say, I'm going to tell my dad. And my earliest memories of the manipulation would be she would say, you're the reason why your dad got the first two divorces. Do you want to be the third? Oh, my
0: goodness. If you say anything. due to a boy's soul? Yeah, you just shut down. You just, yeah.
1: So the opposite would happen is the report would be, you talked about uh, earlier in, in our other conversation about Your dad's weapon of choice. Yes. When we had a back deck that my dad would sit in this chair and take his boots off with one of those boot puller offers. Of course. And she would meet him at the door and tell him all the things I'd done wrong. And she'd manipulated me that I, I, I couldn't say anything of what was really happening at the threat of I will leave him and divorce him it'll be your fault and he's oh, madly in love with me and then I would get a beating
0: with the boot puller offer for And what do you think's going through your your dad's mind? He's like I want to stay married all right. I like what? Did so, you guys ever have a I mean, I don't want to jump too far. Yeah, this th- is this amazing. is this jumping back
1: a little bit already. This is where I've been able to get a bunch of healing okay. and looking back at my dad's life for the 18 years that I was in his under yeah, in in his, his house. Lives? Yeah. Yeah. He was so disassociated from his own pain that I can see that now. And sure. I, I have compassion for him shutting down. He had no idea what was going on in his house.
0: Not because he didn't have any idea, because he chose not to sure. look at it. Well, and we talked about that that silent yeah. generation, that yeah. generation the boomers and so, they didn't, they weren't taught how to do any of that. They didn't know. No, and my dad wanted to
1: own his own ranch. So he was so all involved with chasing down his dream. Yeah. That this was you you take care this is secondary. You yeah. take care of woman, you take care of the kids. I'm gonna go out and work two hundred hours a week. Right. And that's what we're gonna do. And then halfway through my seventh grade year, he comes home. We're moving to California. I got a job managing this ranch. And so we moved to outside of Oakland. Oh which I we lived in the mountains right off the interstate 580. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere, but there was town around the corner. Like we lived in this beautiful it was ideal for a little for a boy that age cuz we had all these large mouth bass fishing ponds, oh, right? Okay. And this beautiful ranch my dad managed and and horses have always been a part of my life since I was 4 I got my first horse, right? And so, I was living this weird life of living life on the ranch, getting to go cowboy on the weekends with my dad and his crew, the, the cowboy crew. But then this little yellow bus would pick me up after it went through the trailer park, and I was the only white kid. Wow. Because my stepbrother and sister went to the smaller little school, county school. Okay. So, you had just, you just went with them. So, I would, they, they went on a different bus even. Because my school was in Castro Valley, California. was on the outskirts of Oakland. Okay. And I was emerged in this culture that was not me wearing my shit kickers to school right. and my wranglers. And I'm, I'm a hillbilly kid from the mountains, but I was thrown into this school of, I had like 1,100 kids in my grade. Oh,
0: my goodness. What a radical shit. I rode shit
1: the all-black kid bus right. to school every day. Wow. And they made up songs, you know, rap culture was coming on the scene at that point. So they they would make up songs about my mom being a whore and they would sing songs about my yellow teeth and, you know, just the, the fear of going to school and then they're trying to make me sell marijuana to the kids in my school. I mean, it was just like a culture shock. And this is like seventh, eighth? Seventh grade. Wow. Wow, bro. Yeah. Huh. So that... I just was in torment. I my whole life sucked because I had the mom, the stepmom that was a bit abusive. Ab- abusive. Later in life, it turned out the the mental abuse was way worse. The right. physical stuff, like that, kind of heals up. And um, but man, she was manipulative. Um, she would make here's one example of many. She would make breakfast for my stepbrother and sister. Um, like hot eggs, bacon, uh, pancakes. Now, I would wake up to that smell, and then she would take it into their room, and she would look at me while she was carrying it and be oh, like, if man. you want breakfast, you know where the cold
0: cereal is. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a spirit. <laughs> I mean, that's not just normal. That's, wow. Sorry, bro. That's,
1: that's incredible. Because I'm excelling at sports. <clears throat> and, yeah. You know, kind of probably had some girlfriends and... Was getting people friends were calling the house, which was not happening for her kids. Right. So, um, I went home to see my mom for Christmas, and she's back in Idaho. She's still in Boise. Okay. And my dad shows up to pick me up, and he's like, "We had our horse trailer, and like, he's like, we're moving to Oregon." At Christmas break. So I never got to say goodbye to any of my friends, getting myself out so of the So you didn't locker, go back to California. You just never. straight to Oregon. They, he packed up and moved. I. I, I, I and was it all it? of them? Yeah. Okay. So new start again, new school. Yeah. Moved to the opposite of that. We moved to this little town called Paisley, Oregon, in the middle of the desert in southeastern um, Oregon, to this huge ranch called the ZX Ranch. They run like 10,000 head of mother cows. Wow. Big, big cowboy race, crew, yeah. and we lived in a trailer park in these single-wide dumpy trailers out in the middle of the desert. So and radically went, different. Yeah, and the school I went to was 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, all in the same classroom, one teacher. 5th grade sat in one row, 6th grade sat in a row, 7th oh, grade sat in a goodness. row. So he would do the lesson plan, Mr. Arnold, <sighs> right. for 5th grade, then he would move down to 6th
0: grade. So, so You're just, all in the same room. Yeah, all in the same room. We just sat, our grades sat in rows. Can you imagine, guys? I mean, think about this to today's culture. Like, that could never happen, right? I mean, maybe in some small podunk towns, it could still, but... Yeah, I played eight-man football. Okay. Um, Sports became even a bigger deal. But
1: the cool thing was, is we only went to school four days a week because it was so far to travel for sports that it would take all day to kind of get anywhere. Okay. So year round, you know, all through school year, we only went to school four days a week. So on Fridays and Saturdays, I would get to go trot out with my dad and the cowboy crew. And my whole life, that's all I ever wanted to do and be was- Just cowboy. cowboy like my dad and my Uncle Ricky. So I life was really looking up. And I was getting old enough that I was starting to like hang out and spend the night at friend's house to get away from the stepmom situation. Right. Um super poor. I think my dad made six hundred bucks a month and had child support oh, came out of that goodness. for my sister was a hundred a month. So we had five hundred a month and we lived, you know, in a in a trailer park <sighs> with the mice and rats and but man, who cares? Right. I got to I was living this dream of sports. Uh, friends, girls, girls, yeah, I had a girlfriend. Yeah. We were making out all the time and getting a ride, getting the cowboy up a little and bit. And I got and, to cowboy, yeah, and watch my dad and my uncle chase down and rope coyotes when we were out wow, making big circles yeah. and bang them over the head with rocks. Like it was just <laughs> like ever my dream. My dream, I loved that culture in Paisley, Oregon. I loved the town, the best friends. It was the summer nights of cruising around town on your bike and going, riding over to this friend's house. And you know what I mean? It was just the best. There was a river that ran through town with a waterfall that we swam in the pool beneath the water. I mean, it was like a, like in a movie, this place. And my eighth grade year, Christmas time, dad sits us down. We're moving back to um, our hometown, moving back to American falls. And I I, I was devastated. That's why I kind of asked about your family situation when you were moving around yeah, a lot earlier. right. I was just taken out. Devastated. I had a family friend, I'm like, can I live with them to finish out and your high school, 8th eighth grade? Eighth grade. Okay. I would have I would have <clears throat> stayed there over living with my mm-hmm. dad and especially sure. the stepmom moving situation. again and yeah. Le- I mean, starting I just starting all was- over and in basketball season, I was a starter. Oh, my goodness. I was the quarterback of our eight-man football team yeah.
0: um, and was halfway during through basketball season. Man. Bro. So at Christmas, I got thrown in a new school. So what would happen at Christmas that this would happen? Like, would it be an end of a contract for him? Was it? it... I don't know why that happened, okay. though, that two times in a row. It okay.
1: just seemed like we were out of school and a good time to, to do it.
0: Okay. I yeah. Guess. Maybe
1: it was break and let's move and let's go and... Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I never thought about that, but so uh even though my kicking and screaming, we moved back to my hometown. So I knew the kids cuz I went to kindergarten, 3rd and 4th grade there. Okay. Oh, okay. That's right. You're coming back. So I knew some of the same kids, but they're they were the basketball team was already formed, right?
0: The not have went their culture and talked
1: there to the coach. These guys kind of knew me. That's a weird age, you know, you're starting to go through puberty right. and like you're awkward
0: yeah, yeah. and tough.
1: those guys weren't like, "Hey, buddy, welcome back." I hadn't seen him in three years, you know, wow. so or four years. So my dad went talk to the coach. They had a fifth quarter team for the kids who didn't get to play in the game, right, like the intramural, yeah, so I got to be on the fifth quarter basketball team, so I went from starting <laughs> oh, 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 to man. being on that, and then, um we lived in this little house. My dad went to work for his father-in-law who owned a big farm there. To the mindset, we're going to do this for a few years, and we're going to buy our own place and start buying our own cows and had a big time So he still had his dream. He was still after still it. Was it. Still chasing it down, going. but making 600 and a month. his marriage has lasted somehow yeah. through this. Seeming okay. seemed good. Grew up in the church, so went to church Wednesday night, Sunday God morning, still.
0: Sunday night, Royal okay. Rangers yeah. in yeah, church Rangers. all the time. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, probably on Thursday sometimes. Uh, if there was an evangelist coming
1: through, then right. it would be Revival Week, then it was every night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, you don't know what you don't know. It was all, it was fine. My dad, I, and I'm grateful for this now. I, I went through a season of kind of bashing the assembly of God because I was really hurt there in high school. Um, but I'm grateful for my heritage. Absolutely. And I'm grateful for my grandma who wore her knees out praying for me. Yes. And I'm grateful for what the Holy Spirit, how he impacted me, during certain deposits in my growing up. Right. I have some very profound um encounters. Kind of mountaintop experiences. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so Dad read we read the Bible every night and okay. prayed as a family every night. So he instilled this in me. But it was kinda like everything else was swept on the rug. He worked hard, chasing his dreams. The stepmom thing just kept getting worse. Um physically and emotionally.
0: Um move back to our hometown. Now, now the sexual abuse stuff had stopped at this point cuz you're big in enough Calif- and old enough. Yes.
1: And- in California, mm-hmm. I had a babysitter that would make me do things to her. Okay. So, that was a little bit I was like, I don't know that this is appropriate. Of course it was my pastor's daughter. Of course. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's just somehow it was, how it works, yeah. right? <laughs> Who would babysit
1: yeah. us once in a while. Yeah. And sit on the couch, put a blanket over us, and just grab my hand. Yeah. Right, so that really because I was in seventh grade, and I was like, just, no. I I remember like kind of like the second time that happened being like. I went, and got up, and went in my room. So that 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 sexual abuse stuff that's ended. Then, yeah. Yep.
0: And, I, and I, let me say this real quick, Jeremy. Our guys, you know, I want to say this to your young dads: be just use discernment and really listen to, to your wife. father and your wife. Yeah, your wife knows. Don't let everybody just come and babysit and be in your home. And you know, I know we're supposed to take in the orphan and the widow, and that's what we're all about. But man, you have to protect your family. And I made some Ask of those Heidi mistakes, Baker, right? Right. Ask mm. any. A lot of them. Right? This is a perfect example. It's the pastor's daughter. It's fine. No, it's not fine. And your wife all will always know, right? Yep. So, all right, keep yeah, going. Yeah, good point. So, yeah. So move back home, kind of start
1: picking up some old friendships. Um, I had my safe haven, though, grandma and grandpa, my okay. dad's mom and dad, who okay. lived right across the street from the high school. So my freshman year, I really started to retreat there. Okay. Because... I grew a little bit, and I and I tried out and made the starting uh, squad in basketball. Okay, my freshman team, and because the varsity girls, boys, junior varsity boys, girls all got to practice before the freshmen, right? So I wouldn't practice till like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And grandma and grandpa literally lived across the street from the high oh, school. Man. Okay, so it was a literal safe haven. So the the food thing that didn't happen. Stepmom, yeah, grandma. She would feed you. So I really started spending a lot of time at grandma and grandpa's house, where I felt safe.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, looking back and at that, um, struggled with school. Super dyslexic. Didn't know that till like a few years ago. Yeah, Um, I had some of the same teachers my mom and dad had. Wow. So they're been there forever. They don't care. They're like pension, right? (laughs) Um. But but. Yeah, I had a girlfriend. Like, I uh, got my uh, driver's license when I turned 14 in the state of Idaho. So that represented freedom to me. Okay. Well, of course. Yeah, I yeah. saved my money and bought my first $600 truck. And as long as I had fuel, gas money, you were out. I could be away from home. Yeah. Now, I had to work a lot at home on the ranch because dad bought a ranch. So he did the dream was get a coming ranch. true okay. my freshman year. Wow. And so we moved way out of town. Um, Which was great. I didn't mind living out there, um, but sports really saved me. Okay. Yeah. Which it does a lot of young guys that go through this stuff, right? And girls. I I needed the friendship part of it and I needed to be out of that house. Yeah. It represented work when I was there and abuse when I was there. Right. So as much time as I could be at sports, um, I got a job at the grocery store. So when I wasn't working on the ranch, moving handlines in the summer for hay, yeah, or building fence, or I loved the cowboy stuff, but the sports stuff really started taking over. So I had a job at the gas, the grocery store with all my buddies. Um, we'd get up at three in the morning on uh, two days a week and do freight during school, before okay. school, right, and then with practice. I just wasn't home much. Still going to church on purpose, and doing all but that. not really knowing that's. But it was on a purpose. good excuse, and Dad, yeah. he didn't really. Yeah he didn't really care cuz i had to pay my own way yeah, you know he's still working his dream and yeah. doing his thing and yeah so high school goes through stepmom that just that story just kept getting worse me and my stepbrother would get in these huge fights like beating the hell yeah out i was going to ask other. the two others they're still he pulled a gun on me uh, and okay. shot over my head a few times wow um yeah he was not popular no
0: like girlfriends not good at sports okay so they're just introverts kind of weird and you don't get along with them still? No. Wow. So, um,
1: but we smiled and went to church and did all the things, right. you know. Um, so, graduating, my senior year, I'm like, what am I going to do? My guidance counselors are like putting me in welding jobs. Like, you don't even need to go to school after lunch. You need to go to this welding fab shop and learn how to weld because this is your only shot, Right. Which felt like prison to me. Did it. Which now what I know about people who are dyslexic, that's why I'm such an entrepreneur and a risk taker. Because right. the thought of the industrial revolution type job. No. It was, it was jail. Yeah. Like
0: absolutely. sitting
1: there in a welding shop on a grinder all day. Yeah. And the culture of that, I hated with a passion. So I was like, well, this cowboy thing, I've always loved it. Maybe I'll pick that back up. I... Could have played some college football. However, this, the grades thing scared me. Okay. I cheated my way all the way through high school with girlfriends um, to keep a 2.0, so I'd be eligible to play sports. So that I, I was too afraid of college to give that a try. So I thought, my Uncle Ricky used to ride bucking horses, and there's pictures on the wall at Grandma's that I've seen my whole life. That looks fun. And I needed to replace sports <laughs> with something fun. because of my identity.
0: Yeah. Sure. My
1: identity was sports <clears throat> right? and driving a 78 Trans Am with ah, T-tops. Come on. The little bird on the front. Yep. The, yeah. So I got a, I traded that off, got a pickup, started wearing my cowboy hat again after uh, basketball season was over. Like, okay, maybe I'm starting to transition back into being a cowboy. And I didn't know what that looked like. But I thought about rodeo and sounds appealing to me. So my uncle said, hey, I know in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, they have these dude ranches where you take people out on rides. Yeah. And I heard about this one that will pay your entry fees at the rodeo, and they have a rodeo every Wednesday and every Saturday night in Jackson Hole yeah. for all the tourists. I'm like, take me there. So <laughs> me and Monty get in his truck. We drive over there, and you're 18. Se- yeah, okay. My my senior wow. year, and I get a job in Jackson Hole at the Heart Six Ranch. Wow. And I'm like, okay, now I got a truck. I bought a horse trailer, and I got my horse. So that spring. Boom. I leave home. Never to Good go riddance. back. riddance. Yeah. Never. I I made a promise when I drove across the Wyoming state line, I will never live in Idaho again. Wow. The, and and that's a big statement, but the pain that that sure. represents, that's why I'm so it's in probably, awe. It's
0: probably more of a vow. Than it a was promise. a vow. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's why I'm so in awe that you kept returning to Colorado Springs because right. I know how I felt about moving back to my hometown was like, I could not get out of there fast enough yeah. because of the 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 pain that it represented to me. What's attached to it, yeah. So I'd call um, that scorched land. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the
0: springs, absolutely.
1: So I moved to Jackson Hole, which, as you know, because you've been there, I don't know of a prettier place in North America. unbelievable. Well, in the lower 48 anyway. Yeah. I've never been to Alaska, so that's not a fair statement, I guess. But I just fell in love with those mountains, and I felt freedom in a way. Um, And I'd went to some back riding schools. So I was, I'd already started my rodeo career. Right. Um, and yeah, I fell in with this great group of guys that, that mentored me in, in, in rodeo and, and riding buck and horses. Um, all these dude ranches hire college girls. Okay. From so the South st- that come out Whoa, West for hello. the summer. Yeah. To, um, work. And so it was just like, seven. Yeah. It was 70 employees. Wow. each one of these ranches because they had all these cabins so you had to cook clean the cabins and we took care of the horses we had 100 head of horses that got turned out in this like 800 acre pasture every night so every morning we get up at four Going and at go yeah. this nine 900 miles an hour across this mountain and down uh. the road and bring them into the corral so it's just hero status sure then you go to town and you ride in the rodeo they video the rodeo this is the best thing Ever. Yeah, you know,
0: when I told my dad this story, because, you know, my dad was a, a, a he rode bulls. Yeah. And he broke horses his whole life, you know, and I, he loved it. I sent him your podcast, you know, he's 84 now. But he, he said, yep, they reel it in the bars, man. They just show the video, because you do rodeo and you go to the bar, right? It was like the perfect <clears throat> storm, man. They would video every rodeo,
1: <laughs> and then they, at the Rancher Bar in Jackson Hole, right on the square, they would put on all the big screens. Yeah. Upstairs and downstairs, and they would put it on the loop. It wow. bars closed at two in the morning, so the road would get over at 10. And so, so I had did a, you feel like kind
0: of like a hero in the
1: bar because you're up on the screen, of or was you it? Did. Yeah, of, of course, course, you did. And his you, identity, I had a fake ID, I'm 19, wow. I just turned 19 that fall. And so, yeah, you're dancing with a girl, and I'd time it just right so that you could kind of be you knew when, when you, you were, were coming up, up. Yeah. and you'd be like, Oh, hey, that's and they're like, No way, and then they'd always show it. A close-up of you walking back to the shoot. Right. You know what was like, like
0: Limping back to the shoot. Yeah
1: <laughs> done deal I Gotcha. So <clears throat> All these mother wounds Of rejection
0: And the sexual abuse Yeah, I was gonna ask Let's, let's stop for Pause just a sec So mom through all this Cause I, I didn't hear this uh, In some of the podcasts I listen of yours But What's that like with your mom? Amazing. Was it? It was just good. Yeah, because
1: she was trying to make up for the guilt she felt of letting me go with dad. Yeah. So she became like a friend to me okay. when I would go there in the summer. Like it was, she was on performance big time. Sure. It was And the in most those days, there's no cell phones. There's, no, there's all, no. all that we have is pay phones. No, we, so I'd call her yeah. collect. Yeah like after well a lot of the places we lived on these ranches didn't have phones so yeah. after church we I, my dad would stop by pay phone I'd call her to collect okay so okay. I'd talk to her like I just want to put that perspective co- yeah. for people now like we just yeah didn't have thank you asking that yeah. yeah so like I'd probably talk to her once or twice a month
0: okay that's and obvious. then
1: we got a pay a phone, I remember that was always a big fight between who would pay for the phone calls,
0: yeah. Well, sure, and then when you knew because long distance cost a lot, well, right. right? It was 50 cents a minute. I mean, mm-hmm. I did that my first job is sales <laughs> long yeah, distance, you know. right? So, the mother wounds was, were the stepmother, not your mom, or was it both? Well,
1: subconsciously, it was my mom, she left me,
0: right? I was abandoned
1: by her, yes, and then the women, the woman that took her place, abused me, right. So, so inside... Women in general probably yeah. was like... We used Well, them. many years later, I realized that outside of my little sister and my grandma, I hated women. Yeah. How could I not? Right. Right. I also lost my virginity when I was in high school to a girl that I didn't want to sleep with. Mm. She was very aggressive. Yeah. And and I'm not a victim. I could uh, have... Sure. I, 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 I f- yeah. for sure could have pushed her off of me and... Right. Um, and that I cried all the way home. Like I, I was, I was shattered that I had done that and growing up in the church and you know, sure. That's,
0: and it's, it was like a, it was separate from the abuse cause it was just oh, a choice of having sex. Yeah. It was completely different. Wow.
1: And appealing and amazing and horrible. Right. And over in two seconds. Guilt. The shame right. and guilt right. of it all was horrible. So. I had this weird relationship with women going into it, and, but man, I started drinking a little bit my senior year, but that was so taboo, you know, growing right, up in that culture, and yeah. I had a pretty hard car- curfew, and so I, I did drink a little bit my senior year, but man, when I had the freedom, the ranch I worked at, you couldn't drink on the property, okay. but they had a KOA campground across the way in the Buffalo Valley, that had a pool table and jukebox. And beer and sold beer yeah and that's where we did our laundry okay so we often would go over there with the girls and do laundry and drink bud light and (laughs) play waylon jennings on the jukebox and then and then at some point uh we would roll the 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 pool tables out of
0: the way because they were on wheels yeah and dance dance and go, so I man. got very good at dancing. All the anti Pentecostal Assembly of God things. Yeah. You start
1: doing. Yeah, because you can't even go to dances. At, no. You know, I went to the prom and almost split the church. Right. Like it was a big <laughs> right. deal. My dad did have my back on that one. Okay. Um, so I really f- in- leaned into that freedom of drinking without consequence. Yeah. And got a girlfriend pretty fast that summer. And. We're finding ways to have sex, because um, she lived in the dorms. I lived in the cowboy bunkhouse
0: right. with fifteen other guys above the saddle shed. You know, and and let me just put this in perspective because you know we talked about Yellowstone last night, which is hard for you because you know it's over grandiose on many things. It wasn't like Yellowstone, right? No, no, it it was like literally. Mice running
1: across your face every night. Right, you'd wake up to it frickin' mice. It wasn't as romantic as they no. made it on the show. And it, right. it the krells were right below two, which were three feet deep in horse shit. Right. So it stunk. <laughs> the flies, the flies were so bad in the summer in the bunkhouse. Um, yeah, it was not romantic. And fifteen guys in one shower and one toilet. Oh my gosh. Um, there might have been two showers and one toilet and a urinal I think in the bathroom. But it it
0: was, yeah. but man, it was living. Right, you're cowboying. Was the you're best. doing the thing, yeah. It was, and again, you didn't really know different. You're you're out of that house. You're away oh, from that. Oh, freedom! Abuse. It you're, just
1: was freedom. Yeah, and I something. had this nice seventy-eight Ford truck, and a my own. Everything was paid for. Yeah. I had a little insurance bill once a year, I think, or every six months, of like okay. eighty bucks. And so that was the life. And then I went to hunting camp and learned how to pack mules and um, do that. And so I loved that adventure too. That was something new because my growing up as a cow in the cowboy world, hunting can hunting was not really a thing we did because it was always when we were gathering cows in the fall off the mountain, right? Because the cows were coming off the mountain from the summer to the fall. So during hunting season, um, I think we even got out of school for a week or something for hunting. But I was always moving. We were always gathering cows. So. That was a new experience for me to get to be in hunting camp and pack mules. And we our camp was like the most remote hunting camp in the lower 40. It was 42 miles from the trailhead. Wow. To our camp, we'd do it in one day.
0: Okay. That's
1: so right. I logged a lot of miles packing mules. I'd take eight mules. And me and another buddy, he'd have eight mules. So 16 head in and out three or four times a week. Wow. Because we were packing uh, duffel and groceries in. Right. And meat and garbage out yeah. that we couldn't burn. Um. And then, you know, when they'd shoot elk, we'd have to haul them out. Right. Pack them out. and pack and them out. Pack the hunter's duffel so didn't, out. So you
0: didn't hunt, hunt. You literally did I was the work. just a packer.
1: Yeah. So th- there was hunting guides. Right. But I was a 19-year-old kid that didn't know what I was doing. Right. So I just was an entry-level... You're the rookie. Hand. You're doing yeah, the hard things. packing mules. Yeah. And that was a lot of work. But that fall, we get out of hunting camp, and I, I had a pocket full of cash. Because you don't spend money when you're in the wilderness. Yeah. So... I think I had like 2,500 bucks, which was so Huge. much money to right, me. Right, right. And my buddy Rusty De Broa, who just got out of the Marine Corps, he I met him at the ranch. We didn't know what we were going to do. We're like, let's go get a cowboy job in Nevada or let's go figure out something. He was riding bulls, I was riding bucking horses. We went home to my dad's ranch, and I'll never forget, he went up to go to the bathroom. He was reading the Western Horseman. Okay. And he comes <laughs> running kid. downstairs and he's like, There's a horseshoeing school in Phoenix, Arizona called Western Horseshoeing Schools. I add in the back of the Western Horseman. He's like, it starts in three weeks. Let's go. Wow. We packed up our trucks, said goodbye to my dad. That's
0: incredible.
1: And we caravanned to Phoenix, Arizona, where he had an uncle that had an apartment, and he had an extra room. We rolled our bedrolls out on the floor. We went and got jobs pouring concrete, and... Phoenix in the winter is rodeo central. Oh
0: man, yeah, it's warm. It's There's beautiful. There's a rodeo.
1: It's perfect. You could get on a bucking horse like three or four nights a week in, in the oh, greater Phoenix goodness. area. So it, and I had a fake ID. So now you're 20, 1920. Yeah. No, was 19. It was the same so, year. The okay. first year, it was my first winter away from home. Wow. So the rodeo thing really started becoming my identity. Like football, basketball is gone. But riding bucking horses, I could cling to, and all that came with that, right? Which was, I got my PRCA permit, so now I'm going to pro rodeos, yeah. Where they have free, uh, if you're a contestant, you can just drink. You get Crown Royal sets up shop there, and yeah. you can go in the contestant tent, and they have free food and free beer at the at the pro rodeo. So, yeah. and I and I really found some guys that took me under their wing that were really good. They were sponsored guys, so they had fuel cards and got. People paid their entry fees and they took me under their wing. Okay, and that lifestyle suited me well. Okay, <laughs> um, my truck got stolen, so I didn't go to shoeing school, and I just decided to do the rodeo thing. And these guys said, "You just come with us, and you'll be all right."
0: Yeah. So it's a really, it really is a brotherhood.
1: Oh, it's yeah, it's it really is. Like those guys kept fed me. I had no money, right? And they paid for everything. They paid my entry fees. I would have to drive. Mostly is right. why a lot of the reason they kept me around, because we would drive <laughs> all night. We'd go to like a rodeo on Saturday night in Phoenix, and then we'd be up at a matinee in Southern California at one in the afternoon. Wow. So we'd drive all night. And, and, you're, and you're starting to really party at this time. Yeah, the, the drinking went from, mm-hmm. in the summer, it was like Wednesday nights, Saturday nights, and maybe one other night. But we had to get up so early at 3.30 to, to go wrangle, wrangle the horses in, right. to have them in by six. So it wasn't tying them on, tying them on, and there was a fifty-mile drive from Jackson Hole back to the ranch. Jeez, wow. So we, I, I, yeah, we'd drink, but it wasn't like it started to be in Phoenix. Like that was like blackout drunk, sleeping on other people. None of us had anywhere to live, right. so we'd find girls that would put us up. Sure, that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was it was like being a carny.
0: Yeah,
1: but with all the honor and all the rewards that came. The hero side of it Mm -hmm. and romantic side of it. Yeah, so we Mm -hmm. would sometimes sleep in the Hooters parking lot because they opened at 11, and then we'd go steal showers (laughs) at the gym across the street, and we'd stay at Hooters all day and just drink beer. Yeah. And then whatever nightclub, whatever honky-tonk had a whiskey night where they had 25 cent, you call it, that's yeah. the bar we'd
0: go to on Tuesday night. God, I know some of you old guys listen, it's going, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's bringing all kinds of memory up. So how long did that go? I did that for a couple winters and
1: then I'd go back to Wyoming, do the same thing in the summer, work at that ranch, do the hunting camp, and then I'd beeline for Arizona in the winter. And then that lasted for a few years. Um, I, went, <laughs> I went to my hometown And entered the rodeo, amateur rodeo. American Falls. Yep. Really? I was in Jackson. I got entered in the hometown rodeo. You value you'd never go back to, but you're going to rodeo back. I'm going to go, I got to go show my family my skills, right? Right, right. So I go back and I draw this horse that I've been on in Arizona because these horses all go to Arizona and they buck them out down there in the winter. Um,
0: So you're like, I got this,
1: man. Yeah, I've got on this same horse called Randolph Ox, this big quarter draft mare that goes out there, has a nice trip. And right at the buzzer, at eight seconds, she would always turn back. Okay, so you just so it was a little bit tricky once you, if you got by her. She was real strong, real heavy, but I'd won checks on her before. So I was like, this is perfect. All my high school buddies are home wow, for American I, Falls I, Days, yeah. right? And I go out there. I ended up winning second. But she goes out, makes her normal trip, and she turns back into my hand, and I get hung up to her, Uh-oh. and my rigging slides down underneath her belly and my hand won't come out it won't come out and she drags me oh. around the arena twice stepping on me every the time whole time sure rips my shaps off the back of my pants completely off oh my goodness and the back of my shirt got ripped off and something in me that day clicked and i'm like that was it i'm done
0: i never got on another one never did was your first break, one I ever got things? on? Was it no? So you go back home and you're in your hometown, and this happens, and you're done. That was it. The the first wow. bareback horse I got on was in that arena,
1: which that did, I did go to the emergency room for that. And ended <laughs> up having to file bankruptcy almost, I think, over that deal. And the last one I got on, wow! But that lifestyle was also, I loved it though.
0: Yeah. I Loved it. Yeah, we have to. You couldn't do it if you didn't love it. Yeah, it was so hard for my dad to quit. You know, I'm born, I'm whatever, one year old. He gets hung up on a bull, seventeen bones gone, and my mom's, you know, done. But he loved it. It's a right? lifestyle. I did. I, I, I look back at it now, and
1: I'm like, I didn't even. I don't even know that I liked riding bucking horses that much. I liked it's all the that culture. came with it. Yeah, right. I liked Absolutely. the guys. I liked the culture. I liked the the
0: manliness of. Of the fear of doing something that's scary, and it's kind scary. of a false initiation, right? Because you are tougher than ninety nine mm-hmm. percent of the boys out there, and you know it. But it's also kind of false because you're you're not really becoming a man; you're being stuck as a boy.
1: Yeah, and it's the fighting and the you right. know the fistfights and the girls and on it, purpose, and oh for yeah because. It, I loved you and Doc
0: talking earlier. It's like if you didn't find a fight in a bar, you wouldn't fought each other before you go to bed.
1: (laughs) Those same guys, yeah. We would clear out the living room of all of our furniture and beat the hell out of each other just because it's like. (laughs) But it's all just a bunch of little broken boys trying to figure it out, you know. But so, yeah, on to the next chapter of the drinking started to pick up. And I took to roping. I've I'd, I'd been roping my whole life, but okay. I was like, okay, now I have to have the outlet. What's my identity? I'm not riding bucking horses anymore. Right. Become a roper. I got a rope. So I got a job in Arizona on a ranch, and I just really started focusing and gave the next 20 years of my life to roping. Wow. And that's where all those came from. Yeah. Is it filled with buckles and all your stuff? All the stuff that I... Yeah. Was my identity. Right. So the drinking... That's when the drinking really, my mid to late 20s... It goes heavy. Yeah, I started drinking by myself. It wasn't just a fun bar thing. Right. It was that thing inside of me that was painful yeah. started happening. And... And you're numbing, and you're just... Yeah, and the beer, I quit drinking beer. Started drinking whiskey. Yeah. Um, and I kept getting these incredible jobs, like for the Rockefeller family, their private retreat in Jackson... Then I got my first year-round job in this little town called Tinsley, Wyoming, and this guy built me a five thousand square foot house and like a three million dollar arena and barn and an open checkbook to go buy horses and build a horse program. Wow, it was so this, this really wealthy guy, yeah. yeah. Um, so people liked me; I was good with people, um, and I was good at what I was doing. And so, well,
0: yeah, you know, giftedness is without repentance uh you have that favor that favor of God on your life like that's the first thing I noticed of you it's a gift yeah it is a gift that you can use it has nothing to do with repentance no. it's just the gift that God gives you yeah. no matter what and you walked in it you didn't know it at the time but you had a you had a gift with people and a favor of God
1: yeah I had no problem getting girlfriends S- sex became a quest that I could never get enough of right. to to feel the pain of what I didn't know then was I know now through sitting in my pain, yes. like we talked about earlier, yeah. is a lot of it also is trying to prove to myself that I wasn't gay. Okay. So you struggled with... Did you struggle no. with that? You just I didn't struggle with having any homosexual tendencies or... But I, deep down, was like, if I sleep with a lot of girls, that's I'll sure. prove to myself right. that... But also like the abandonment of... And my pain towards women... And the sexual abuse with women, it was, I just, I was so broken in that area that it it just provided relief from it momentarily. Yeah. And and I couldn't keep a girlfriend. I cheated on all of them. Um, and, and I really heard a lot of nice. Really good women. Really amazing, yeah. amazing yeah. women. In my own brokenness. I had some that would like try to send me to therapy and pay for it, which sure. I'd go do once or twice and be like, yeah. This is bullshit. I went back and
0: repented to just women. Just man, I was just broken.
1: I've done a little bit of that. Yeah. I've 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 said this in podcasts before that I had this low grade hatred for women and I've had girls reach out to me and be like, You you loved me, I knew you did and I'm like I'm sorry. Right. I didn't I I didn't know I don't I I I was very fond of you and, and right. probably at that time love you. loved you. But yeah. knowing what I know now, I didn't love anyone. I hated right. myself. Right. Um, so that pattern just kept happening. Okay. When I moved to Wyoming, um, the drinking went up several notches, started not eating. Bottle of Jack a day, you said? Yeah. I was drinking a lot of whiskey by myself. Um, I was in isolation of a 200-person town, and I lived 15 miles out of that town. Okay. Um, no TV, nothing to do. Winter gets dark at four. Wow. So Start if I wasn't jerking. in the bar, I would yeah, I'd just get hammered every night up yeah. well, starting in the afternoon. It just got earlier and earlier, and I got better at hiding it, and I could pace myself. So I could maybe have a little of my coffee to get kind of there. Then I'd, I'd always work. I was very functioning in right. all of this, um, as you can be. And then by 5 o'clock, it was like, I hope the boss or nobody comes around, you know, because I know that I was a little bit too much. But I got really good at managing that. Found a girlfriend who moved. Her parents retired there. She moved to town. um, And we were not good for each other. She moved there to get sober, and she found me. Oh, gosh. And it was Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Not a good mix. We... We had a six month run that I'm surprised we lived through. Yeah, of pills she would get her hands on and
0: whiskey. Yeah, and wine and whatever. Well, now, knowing your story, that not, these guys don't know the whole because and we're going to get there quickly. But I, I mean, I can't believe you're alive. I just can't believe it. Well, and I got really good at. I drove everywhere too.
1: Right, and that became. I'd already gotten at that point three DUIs, that I that. My boss didn't know about, so this is where it gets crazy, is my boss is like, hey, our insurance needs your driver's license. I give it to him. I like, go, oh, it's expired. I'm like, oh, crap, because I got a DUI in Arizona right before I left to right. go take this job. And You're not going to renew that. <laughs> like that's, they won't let me. No. The states have caught up with all this. Right. I used to get away with that when I got my first two. The states didn't talk to each other, so I made up some reason to go to Arizona to go to jail and deal with that DUI. Right. And in the meantime, I get down to Arizona, and this girl that I'd been with, I'm like, we're not good together. And getting away from her, like, I was like, I I just, the Holy Spirit, I think, even was operating in me in that spot was like, this isn't healthy for either one of you. Yeah. So I called her from a safe distance in Arizona and told her that it was over. And she's like, don't do this. And you called her on a payphone. No, my buddy. I was staying at a buddy's house oh, okay. in Phoenix. Okay. And I said, this is over. She was calling at two in the morning drunk oh, okay. and waking him up. And, and I said, this is over. The, the, two days before I'm flying home, back to Wyoming. Wow. And she ended up killing herself. Oh, bro. And...
0: Ugh, said, so sorry. My gosh. That... Wow.
1: That, I didn't know what to do with, so I flew back. I didn't know till I flew back, and my buddy that picked me up told me. Oh, my goodness. I went in and quit my job that day. I'd sold the ranch my truck because I couldn't afford it. I had my horse trailer with my horses and everything I owned, and I had a buddy come pick me up, and I left. And this was the, the dream, dream job. job. And so you just, you're gone. That day. It took a couple of days for him to come pick me up. He lived in Montana, and I got a job in. I had these headhunters always calling me because right. of the Rockefeller deal, so I got a job in Prescott, Arizona, and I had a buddy pick me up, and I moved again, and never dealt with any of that until about a year ago. Till about a year ago, yeah, eight months ago, not even a year ago, it was the first time I let myself sit in the trauma of the of what happened my goodness, with that girl. And actually it was this summer that the healing really ha- started happening. This past summer. In that. Yeah. But I, that's the cool thing about God. He, ne- if, if all this would have came at once, it would have killed me. The sexual abuse. Sure, sure. Dealing with like, all of it at once. Yeah. It was like one incident and I'd deal with it and get a little healing. And then it was like, A few months later, another thing would come up, and I'm like, "Okay, I I have this history and rhythm with the Redeemer, in which, okay, I can face this.
0: Right. This is the same thing with
1: this girl. I've done a decades worth of heart work and soul work now that it was time. He just gently Hmm. brought it up. So good. I was trying to tell this story in a podcast, and I went out of that door and threw up. Wow. And I couldn't do it, and I didn't do the podcast for five months.
0: So you're doing a Wild Courage podcast. This comes up, and it just hits you. And, and like, I, I have
1: not dealt with this. And I go outside, and I throw up. Wow. And I go talk to my wife, and and my incredible wife just starts validating my pain. Wow. And God, it's going to be Jesus, OK. Good women. And so that helped. Um, I got to spend three days with John Eldridge. Yeah. And he helped me navigate through this. OK. So it was like, God just brought all the right people. It was like, OK. You're willing, it's time to deal with that. Um, because my MO is running, right? right. I just moved every six sure. months for a decade. Wow.
0: From yeah. relationship run, to relationship, run. Run, yeah. run, 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 and I And I want you guys to really hear this, man. I mean, because we're not even close. Because, uh, I mean, there was a stint with your wife in three years. And I, I want you to tell us that real quick. But, I, you know, you can't fix yourself. And it's timing. God's not in a hurry, you know, there is an urgency in God's heart for us, but he's not in a hurry and he's so patient. He'll allow he'll us. he wait a decade. He will. Or two decades. Or two. Right. And it's nothing. Right. But and for us, it seems like everything. But when you're not ready, that's okay. You just you've got to be moving, stumbling forward oh. <laughs> towards that, right? And and limping, like we talked about, towards that. And then when it's time, he's gonna really show that. And have he's the right so people around him. about it. He is. He's such he had a the good right, dad. He had the right team for me to navigate that. That's amazing. At the right time. I didn't know that part of your story. Yeah. Okay. So, you've you, you, all three, you're drinking all this stuff. You meet your wife. So, I'm
1: in Arizona. Okay. I'm in I have, Prescott? I get another best job ever. Okay. Managing this guy's hey, ranch. And he leaves me alone. I mean, I just I have this cool house underneath the covered arena sitting on the top of this mountain with this beautiful view on the side of this mountain. And I meet this horse trainer guy and he's got this assistant horse trainer working for him. And I have a girlfriend and I'm, the I mean, I'm putting on, I'm producing events and ropings and people are coming from all over the Western United States to my ropings. And I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a full blown party. Yeah. I'm roping every night till two in the morning. It's got lights. I got these big speakers and my neighbors a mile away can hear us. And I mean, it's, I have the coolest place set up and I'm I'm rolling. I'm rocking and rolling, man. And what year is this? Fifteen years ago. Fifteen. 16, years ago. 17 years ago. Okay. And Mary becomes my friend, who's now my wife, because I had a girlfriend. I, I I think I had a couple girlfriends when I from sure. the time I met her. And I would get drunk and ask her out and then never do it, chicken out, because she was a good girl. Okay. She was Sweet Mary. That was her name. Sweet Mary. And she could ride a horse and train a horse like which is a million times better than me. Yeah. And was never really attracted to horse girls. I liked hippie chicks because I like, you go do your thing, I'll do my thing. Yeah. Don't try to come in my world because you're not good at it. Right. You're trying to be somebody you're not. And I hated that. I did not do well with horse girls. But she was so legit and so sweet, and we became friends. And she helped me through some heartbreak with this girl and all the all this stuff. And and I just remember one day that I passed her in her little car and she smiled and waved at me. And you went. And I Whoa. was like, There's that's it. She's yeah. it. Yeah. And I asked her out and she said yes. And I went to her house and had dinner and I respected her so much. Because she did
0: probably demanded respect.
1: Just the way she carried herself on. and who she was. Um, we dated for a couple year and a half maybe, and I was going to help my buddy put on roping in, in, uh, Livingston, Montana. And I invited her to come with me on the trip. Um, I broke into her house and got a ring that I knew fit her. I made up some excuse to borrow car keys. I needed to borrow a car for something. And I went and did this whole thing, got an engagement ring, called her dad, took her to Jackson hole, which she'd never been, took her on a hike, proposed to her. Okay. I'm the life of the party. You Party guy. Yeah. Um, we have this big celebration with all of our friends the whole weekend of the roping in Montana. We, our wedding's planned by the time we get back to Arizona. Uh, we get married in Jackson Hole. Wow. Before we get married, she's like, you're going to quit drinking when we get married, right? And I started going to church with her. Okay. Right? I'm like, of course I'm going to get married. What, what kind of guy would not... <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, come on.
1: So, I think I quit drinking for a little while. Maybe, maybe not. I don't even remember. Get married, honeymoon, beautiful, everything. Get home. I'm shoeing horses for a living, which I've been doing for twenty years at this point, right. fifteen years. Um, and had a nice little cash cash business I like six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month in cash, like doing pretty good. Just We're managing. We still had the little the little place. We're managing it. Um, Shep was still training horses. And we get this call to go build this equestrian center in across the hill from Jackson Hole in Driggs, Idaho, from this developer. It's like a eighteen hundred acre property with the river, a creek through it, trees, beautiful, to go build this equestrian facility wow. and then manage it. So we take wow. it. Wow, right, of course. And pretty soon am I introducing some wine at dinner and like because I never quit drinking. Right. Then we get pregnant. She's like, surely you're going to stop this drinking when we have a baby. And I'm like, well, of course, what kind of dad we're going to church involved and all the things. (laughs) Right. right?" And now I'm just hiding it. Right. And the wheels fall off that 2009 housing markets crashes. Right. He closes the arena down. We lose everything. I've been sleeping on the couch for a year. I'm a drunk. I'm, (sighs) drinking vodka, a bottle of vodka every day and Diet Dr. Pepper, getting up in the morning, putting Bailey's in my coffee to go plow snow. Like I'm a full-blown functioning alcoholic at this time from the pain. When we moved there, I get drunk at a music festival. I come home. She's like, what? She's crying pregnant. Why am I not enough? Why can you not Mm. stop drinking? What am I not enough for? And something in me, it came out and I said, Maybe if you've given as many blowjobs as I've had, you'd oh, understand. And you were drunk and it wasn't the right thing to say. It was the first time I'd, I'd ever thought about it. Wow. It just came out.
0: Wow. And so she's, she?
1: I don't know. I jumped in my truck and left. I went to slept down by the river. I, 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 I didn't, I'd never thought about it once in my entire life. Until that moment. Until that moment. <sighs> and she probably gently tried to bring it up later and I'm like, I wouldn't go You're there. We're not going there, yeah. So we lose that job. We have a two-year-old son. Call my old boss Matt down in Prescott. I'm like, "Hey, is anybody living at the old place?" And he's like, "Actually, I had a renter. They're leaving. It's yours. Come, come, soft come place it. to land." Yeah. So we go back there. I start picking up my shoeing business again. We're not good. I'm sleeping on the couch. I cannot stop drinking. You just can't stop. I can't stop. Shoeing six, seven horses a day and drinking a bottle of vodka in my Diet Dr. Pepper and come home drunk, lie about it. We'd go to counseling, got in a, almost a fist fight with our pastor because wow. it was always my fault. We'd go to counseling and tell me about your parents. Her parents are still married. My dad's been married five times, my mom three. Yeah. And immediately it's just shame, 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 right. shame, shame. So we never had any luck with counseling at all. Got so bad that she kicks me out. I'm living in a closet upstairs or out <laughs> oh by the arena God, in an in a office on a cot. Yeah. And as soon as my son would go to bed, I would have to leave the house. Right. This isn't working, so I get a job. Oh, I go to Wyoming for the summer to shoe horses because we're not doing good. Right. And I get another DUI in Montana. So this is number four or number, number five? Number four. Okay. Go visit my daughter who lives in Mon- Billings and on my way back to Jackson Hole. So, so we, I
0: don't think we touched that. You had a daughter from another I had a a one night stand. I had a right?
1: one night stand at a wedding that I flew into, flew out, you know, was right. there two nights with a girl who called me like two years later, found me. She had a first name in the motel I stayed at. That was it. Oh my goodness. And she found and you. She says, You have a daughter. We have a daughter. I don't know how to tell you this. You may not remember me, but my <laughs> name's, and I'm like, Wow. Laying on the couch. On the phone with my girlfriend, like, what?
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so, so you... So you throw
1: a daughter in the mix of my... I was not a dad to her. Right. And God's redeeming that as we speak. That's... She lives in Boise, which is close to here, went to all four years of Boise State. My mom kept that relationship with her, and my wife and her are
0: best friends. Wow. Like, they're so close.
1: Um, okay,
0: so you so you're out there in the summer... And Mary's, I'm on the some reason staying with you. No, she's
1: in Arizona. I know, but you guys are still married at the time. We were still, yeah. Okay. I was living in the closet upstairs, right. but Or by the barn, by the stalls. But so I'm like, I'm out of here for the summer. Right. I'm gonna go. I got a doc gave me a shoeing gig at the ranch he was managing. A hundred head of horses to shoe, mm-hmm. so I went up there. Yeah, I was. I sold some horses in Montana. I had a trailer. Got a DUI. They let me out. The next day, I go see Gabby, driving back to Wyoming, into my vodka bottle, and I get pulled over again, and just outside, going over Teton Pass into Jackson. And they put me in jail, and they don't let me out till I can see a judge. So you get
0: two DUIs in 48, 48 hours. 48
1: hours. Less than 48 oh, hours. My 36 hours.
0: <laughs> and you see your daughter in
1: the middle of that. Yeah. Wow. The pain I was in of knowing my marriage was over, before the DUIs, and that I'd become that dad.
0: Did you ever
1: become suicidal in any of all of this? So I'm in jail in Jackson, and my prayer to God, I've been wanting to quit drinking for three years. Okay. I would lay, in be- I would lay on the couch and cry every night, God, please take this from me, and he wouldn't. All right. I'd sit in the alley, hiding in the, parking- in the alley of the liquor store, begging him for me not to go in there, crying. I'd wipe my tears away and I'd and walk in there in and buy there. my bottle of right. vodka. Right. In that jail that night, my prayer changed to from a father.
0: Right. You just seen your To daughter. a father. Okay.
1: My son, my daughter. I'm like God. I. I. This isn't the type of father I want to become. Yeah. I'm pleading. please from one father to another take this from me mm. it's going to kill me yeah and i <clears throat> i don't want to be that dad yeah and he took it he did
0: it left me <laughs> i felt it leave me so it was, a, it was probably a demon <sighs> it
1: it I knew I'd never drink again. You just knew. I knew. I knew, I knew. I knew I was in trouble. Wow. Legally, obviously. I knew my wife was going to leave me, probably. But I knew that my son, who was two, would never know his dad is a drunk. Okay. And I laid in that jail cell that night on the cold concrete because the two cots were taken. And I wept. And I thanked him. And I was sober, and I never went into detox. I'd been drinking a bottle of vodka. Or a bottle of whiskey. I was the only vodka at that point because I knew how to manage. I knew when to eat. I knew how little to eat so that I wouldn't kill it. I knew exactly when to eat, what I could eat that wouldn't kill it, the buzz, the drunk, the, 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 the anesthetizing of the pain. So, I, I mean, I was pro. I right. knew when I could start. I knew when I needed to slow down so I could still shoe horses or do whatever yep. so people wouldn't notice. And I knew when I could finish strong so I could pass out. Oh,
0: goodness gracious.
1: And I should have needed to go to the hospital to detox. Right. It kills people. As much as I was, alcohol was consuming to just come off of it. And I was in jail for two days and I never got sick. I never threw up. Nothing. It was No gone. detoxing. Zero. Okay. And then- Doc came and bailed me out. And I went back to the cabin I was staying in. And I knew I would never drink again, but I needed to know who my identity was. Okay. So I was reading, I would search in the Bible to find anywhere where he would call me his beloved mm. in the mornings. And at night, I would play Russian roulette. Okay. You just where I was at,
0: Called not my drinking, wife. no, but.
1: never. I haven't drank again, that was 13 years ago. But the pain that I'd caused my family because I had to tell, call everybody and say I got a DUI. I didn't even tell them about the one in Montana. Right. That's a whole nother story. I and Mary was like, We're that's it, we're done. Everyone that believed in me it was over. Everyone I called, like enough chances.
0: So isn't that, it, it's just crazy to me. Your prayer changes. You cry out to the true father as a father. He takes it, but now the cost. There's still the cost. Well, before when I was praying for
1: him, I wanted out of my circumstances because my wife quit having sex with me. Yeah. And yes. it was ruining my life, but I didn't want to quit for the right reasons. I wanted to quit to get out of my circumstances. Right. Which were mostly just a little broken boy whose wife wasn't having sex with him anymore.
0: Right. So I was like, God, selfish. take
1: this from me. It was yeah. all selfish. Yeah. But now it was like, from one father to father,
0: Let's this isn't this. who
1: you created me to be. I yeah. know that. I need, I need help. I can't do this on my own. He took it. The shame, however, of the mess I'd made of my life and everyone that trusted and loved me. I have a big circle of people that believed in me, trusted me, loved yeah. me. Well, Doc shows up to bail you out again. And the pain of that and the torment, the demonic torment of that, I would put the... 22 revolver that my grandpa had given me to your head <sniffs> mouth. Oh, I can still taste what that gun tasted yeah. like. And I, I did that for about a week every night. And in the morning, it was as grace new every I morning. It, it was just such the weird tension of like feeling so free from that oppression. Yeah. But by night, so beat up and hate, yeah. full of self hatred that I didn't care. I wanted it to end because yeah. I couldn't drink anymore. I couldn't anesthetize the pain. So all the unprocessed pain of my whole life was in my face. Wow. And the weight of that, without alcohol, I would rather die. Sure. Yeah, because you couldn't get rid of it. So now I'm thinking about all the things in my childhood. Now all these things are coming up that I have to deal with. And the pain of that, I couldn't eat. I would throw up my stomach I mean I was not from the not having the alcohol just because of my nerves of feeling fa- everything facing all that pain yeah. so I'm in so much legal trouble at this point I have no money I go back to Arizona a buddy calls me that I used to show some cow horses with and he's like hey my, I'm in Pennsylvania my brother owns this little oil field service company we're looking for hardworking ranch kids guys do you want it? I'm like I'm in Mary Bought a house, moved out,
0: bought her own place. doing her own life,
1: man. Two jobs, going to night school and raising a two, (laughs) three-year-old. Oh, my goodness. And wouldn't let me pay for anything. Right. Like, done. Buys her own place, her own barn, her own arena. This is a woman, man. Come on. Hate you. It's over. We said horrible things to each other. I just am like, I'm sober if she didn't believe me. She didn't believe me for three or four years. And she shouldn't have. Three or four years. I'd go to pick up my son. She would go through the truck and check the whole thing. And I'd let her. Right. I get it. So because of the legal trouble in Wyoming, I had to do group counseling. There's this lady, this very overweight black lady named Gwen, who was my counselor. And she was the drug court counselor. Okay So I was in with all these 19, 20, 21 year old kids That had to go to counseling or go to prison Right And here I am, 38 The humility <laughs> oh Of swallowing my cowboy bullshit pride Yeah And sitting in there With these kids I had to do this for like a year And I had to go to AA for two goodness. years Just for Wyoming I never dealt with Montana until like five years ago dude. Oh, Like this thing just Lord. kept going, right? Well, my wife had nothing to do with me and I was just on this journey of self exploration of sitting in my pain and Gwen helping me navigate not being a victim. Yeah. And and making me do the right things for my wife and my child, even though they were gone. They were it was painful and it was just humility, 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 humility. And she had a way of talking to me that offended me and I loved at the same time. Right. And going to AA, I would just go there and weep. Yeah. Because those guys didn't
0: judge me. Right. I could see so much of the fruit of all of this in this barn meetings, right? I mean, because AA, honestly, is the salvation story. Yeah. I mean, Bill was a hero, right? Yeah, so... But it also felt like bondage to me a little bit and
1: I love AA and respect it. And I've never been since my two years was up, I right. never went back because I'm I felt like if I have to do this forever, right. It feels like
0: Well bondage. and my my only my only and it's not criticism. I, I just feel like to stand up and say I am an alcoholic is is oh you know, you're not breaking yeah. that agreement. I never
1: would do that. Right. We can't um, do that. And I love my brothers that go to A still, and it's such a powerful program yeah, for them. absolutely and it healed me, and they walked me through my wife leaving me um fast forward. we were separated for three three and a half years, something like that. I'm making money, I get out of debt, I fix my credit, I put my head down, I quit going to ropings. My identity is now as a I'm figuring out who I am as a son, okay, and I'm his beloved. That's all I really knew, yeah. And when I was feeling all the hard things, I would just find those scriptures and pour over where I'm seated at the right hand with him yeah. and when he would call me his beloved. And I would, <laughs> I would just meditate on that. That was it like Psalms
0: 34 for
1: me. I rescued you because I delight in you. Come on. Yeah. Psalms <laughs> 32.5 for me was when I put down the gun for the last time when I came across that. Okay. I confessed all my sins from you. Yeah. To you. And you took them for me forever. Forever. That was it. <laughs> I yeah. never picked up the gun again. <laughs> wow. Psalms 32 five, Dude. So, written on your heart. So I get a job in the oil field. I just keep getting promoted, making crazy money. Now I'm making like $15,000 a month. And I'm running this whole thing. And... Doc comes up there and works for me and we're like, let's start our own thing, which is a whole nother story. So we're, we quit our jobs and I'm like, find this place in Idaho. I want to be close for my dad's ranch and be close for my mom. And so I'm like, I'm buying this place. And Mary's like, maybe I want to come look at it. Ooh. And she comes on a little road trip with me. Wow. And I spent that Christmas over at her house with my son and her and we laughed and had fun, and she bought me a present. And we're, this is a whole nother story, sometimes sure. you and I will talk about, but God started healing her heart, and from a safe distance, she saw me change. Wow. And it took three and a half years. And I get guys in here all the time. They're like, well, my wife won't have sex Man, me. I'm like, how long? Like a month. Right. <laughs> like I didn't have sex for five years. Yeah. I did not, I was not intimate with my wife for a five-year stretch. Wow. We, ne- we had such grace. We never cheated on each other. We never went on another date. No inappropriate phone conversations. And
0: never divorced. You were just never separated. Never divorced. We just, we're oh, not
1: together. Goodness. Um, and when we moved to Idaho, when we bought this place, the first night we spent the night in the same bed was here. 10 years ago in March. Wow. Doc and I started a company that's going to turn 10 years old in March also. And my wife and I have put the last four years in of the hardest work I've ever done Okay, on our marriage and becoming whole and me dealing with all my all my past, all my unprocessed pain that I don't white knuckle. I sit in like you talked about. You just sit in it, and you own it. And you Ugh, you can't give away what you don't work. have. Yeah. And I'm in a season of overflow. I have a lot to give away because I'm full. An yeah. overflowing of grace, compassion, and my capacity for compassion for men and their stories and women and their heartache is, just keeps growing. And so I have more to give away. And my wife and my kids
0: still get the best of me. And your 14-year-old son now... And you're you're six? Eight and six. Eight and six. And your older daughter and all of it.
1: I was with her Saturday night. Come on. With her best friend and our family and my sister. We all went to the hospital. And your mom is still? My mom and I are, that's a whole other story. I sat in that room right there next to that fireplace and told my mom my whole story. Six hours worth. And the forgiveness and the shame that left her of feeling like she'd it as a mom changed both of our lives changed you both i felt a low grade hatred for women leave when yeah, i that. when i made amends with my mom my marriage changed when i walked in the back door yeah after sitting in my mom you can't what i learned in that is you can't forgive somebody for something that they don't know that they've done to you right that's so good. All this that happened on my mom's watch that I held her accountable for, she had no idea.
0: She didn't know. She didn't
1: know about any of the sexual abuse. Yeah. Any of the things that I held against her because she wasn't there to protect me.
0: Right. And and she, now, neither
1: was my dad, but I'm dealing with that Like since he passed away six years ago. Right. Like, wait, I was under his roof. I, it, I blamed my mom for all of it. Hmm. So me forgiving her of something she didn't even know like set us both free. Wow. And it and it
0: and it changed my marriage and my how I view women. So so I mean here we sit. So I you know I flew out here Monday night. You do first Monday and Wednesday of every month, and then a middle Wednesday right in the month. And there's 20 some guys in this barn around this fire, and a couple of your guys just kind of set some 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 ground rule like here's what we're doing, guys. And some the first core values core values. Here's who we are. First guy starts and says, "You know what? I feel like a 7 tonight. I just went through 40 days of, right, rehab and doing the hard work for my marriage and you know all and we go around the room and guys just confessing and guys, it feels a little like an AA meeting and it's a but it's not. It's a kingdom meeting because men just got vulnerable. We got cowboys in their 70s in their cussing and saying, but my God, I'm being transformed. transformed. right?" And then we get to another guy. I'm a three because I'm bitter because I'm dealing with sexual stuff. You know. But they are men in a safe place that has been created by pain. The pain in your life and Doc's life and Brian's life. And you guys have created this safe space that brings men to vulnerability, confession, but transformation. We're really seeing transformation happen before our eyes. And see, I think, guys, it's not about revival, reformation. It's about transformed heart, especially in men, as the foundation of us owning our pain, not anesthetizing. Finding a space that's vulnerable and safe enough to be real about it. And like you said to me, some of those guys have been coming for a long time and they're just finally able to share, right? Yeah, because
1: we're all, everyone's on time.
0: It's just, it's on time.
1: We're not behind. Dude. <laughs> Come on, We all think we're behind and we're blowing it and we're missing it. And what's happening is, what if, what if, what if... We can get a man's heart redeemed, seen, heard, whole. Yeah. He can go home and learn how to contend for his wife's heart. Yes. In the meantime, we're modeling to our kids what that looks like. Yes. I think this is how we change the planet. I don't think it's by voting, 100%. and I don't think it's by revival. It's the 100-year plan. I don't think it's by, uh, I love church, but I don't think it's the church. No. I think it's... Or the conferences or the big... Yeah. It's all... That's so interactional. And I just think that sitting in... A man having a place to be seen and heard and know that he's not alone and that it's going to be okay and you got some dudes sitting next to you that are not... There's no shame. No. Because self-hatred and shame burns up in vulnerability and acceptance. Yeah. It goes away. It can't exist. That's so good. Yeah. So we contend that we don't know what we're doing but we've been doing this for over a little over 3 years and we're figuring out some things and how to honor guy's story and and sit in an the tension of rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and mourning with those Morrowed, who are mourning. Yeah. And it's okay to do both and feel whatever you're feeling and and for to watch one guy who's in his 60s or 70s look across at the kid who's in his 23 and be like, uh, you're okay. Yeah, you have what it takes. This. Yeah, who didn't get initiated by a dad? Yeah, can we go to coffee? Yeah, and to see this generational gap being bridged Absolutely. in this room, and men exchanging phone numbers, and going into what I call the deep brotherhood is what this is truly all about. Yeah, is walking out this life when you get your ass kicked, just to know you're not alone and it's gonna yeah. be okay. You're gonna
0: make it. That's oh, bro, it. this is going to be reproduced, and it's starting to. You just had a meeting with 13 guys at one yeah, of the fires. They call them fires guys, and they're just meeting around a fire, and it's just men being men and yet being vulnerable and not like men we've seen. People are like, what can I expect? <laughs> I'm like, you can expect
1: the F word, probably a pipe or two being smoked, maybe a beer, yeah, and a whole bunch of talking about Jesus yeah. and redemption and yeah.
0: the Father's heart. Yeah. And I, it's that safe of a place. That's right. It's holy. It is. It's a holy place. All right, guys. Look, go to Wild Courage. You've got to get this. You, you've you got to hear the rest of this story. Hey, uh, what's the website? Where do they go?
1: Thewildcourage.life.
0: Dot life. Dot life. Okay, I like it. And then uh, podcast is The Wild Courage podcast on all the platforms. Yeah, The Wild Courage podcast on yep. all the platforms. Go, go listen, listen. Uh, Questions, anything you want, you can get it to come through me, go right to Jeremy, and, and just start to steward this a little bit and see what God says to your heart. These are going to be popping up all over the place, I promise you. Yeah. Man. Jeremy, thanks, bro. Love you, man. This is, you're you know, my first honor. real guest on our brand new podcast of honor. M456, man. Honor. I love you. All right, man. God bless you.